Hello, Mark. I am Stephanie here with Jawbreaker, and I'm here with Mark Evitz, who is what? You're everything. You're a jack of all trades. You're a songwriter, a composer. You work on TV shows, albums, everything. You tell me. What am I missing from your lengthy hyphen I, title here? I think you got it all. I'm a, I'm a musician. Musician, yes. A musician yeah. who studies all types of producing music, which I think is the truest type of musician, because you didn't just put yourself in one lane. You really learned all the different aspects of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm I grew up playing music. I'm I'm a violinist and that was like kind of my first instrument that I really kind of fell in love with music on and um I grew up in Kentucky and so you know I I started off playing violin in the school orchestra and then you know being from Kentucky like violins turned to fiddles pretty fast. I was just so going to say did playing... they call it the fiddle? <laughs> yeah, so I grew up playing like fiddle and I did a lot of like jazz and gypsy jazz and and uh some country and bluegrass as well. And, um, but, but kind of was doing like hybrid genre bending stuff, like, because I was, I, I, I had a classical approach and, um, grew up playing classical. It, anything I did always had like a little bit more of that kind of approach to it. And even when doing like playing on rock records or, or playing on, um, I'll, even on country records, I, I, I would take like, uh, um, like more of an arranged approach to it versus just doing like a singular instrument and kind of improvising. Exactly. Like as, a, as opposed to like, like, you know, like in country, if you've got like a fiddle, like it's more of a lead instrument and it's more of a, um, I don't noodly, you know, it sounds fiddly, you know, it's like kind of, kind of playing all, That's the all, best word for all it. it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so with, with more, I, I always, really enjoyed like i grew up like listening to the beatles and that kind of stuff so i enjoyed that arranged approach and and like hearing strings behind uh music to where it's like a little bit could be a little bit more of a an engine that drives that drive helps drive the song i always liked hearing strings and things too i think so we had met and done an interview previously but it was for your work on frog and toad on apple tv mm -hmm. which also includes fiddle and mm -hmm. I know we initially kind of spoke about this because I also played the violin growing up and I was really inspired by any type of current music that had violin that wasn't classical and also wasn't country. So that narrowed it down by like 98%, but you did have <laughs> some bands, you know, I think like Shania Twain had some, like the Beatles had some, and then like yeah. Yellow Card, you know, like we were yeah. bonding over emo. Yellow Card was one of the bands I really grew up with, and they had that electric violinist. And I thought that was the coolest fucking thing. I wanted an yeah. electric violin. <laughs> yeah, it is cool. I mean, Yellow Card's players is like it's an amazing, amazing player. So, yeah, it's definitely cool. And does a lot for, for the instrument, too. You know, anytime you have like somebody like, you know, when I was growing up playing violin, there, there, there wasn't a ton of like, I mean, we like I had Boyd Tinsley of the Dave Matthews band that I would look up to and say, wow, that's yeah. like really cool. And he like shreds and he shredded, he like looks good and he's like shredding the violin. So it's like, it's, it looks like rock and roll, you know, it looks cool. So, um, you it's had hard those, to look cool but playing the violin. It is. There you go. That's what I was Trust me. I know. It's, it's almost impossible. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, um, it, 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 anytime that there were those players, they definitely stand out. I remember that was like, I really wish I knew who it was now. There was someone else around the same time. I think 
it was a she and she was like an indi- like a solo electric violinist. I just remember seeing her on like the end cap of Entertainment Tonight. Like my mom would always watch Entertainment Tonight. I remember seeing her. She was like the closing performer once and it was just before Yellow Card came out, but it was like a thing. Like electric violin was a thing. I was like, is this the new wave of rock? Because I want it. My mom's like, you have a violin, but it stops there. I was like, Why? <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that may have been, I'm trying to think of who that was. I it may have been Midori. I, there, there's a few, few people that, that uh, were kind of around at that time doing, doing a bunch of electric violin stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool instrument. And if it's like, for me, like whenever I'm playing on like a record, I always try to make it like, um, like almost not stand out almost like, like a, like a way to, to blend in with, um, with the rest of the bed of the music and, and to try to make it, um, like kind of, you you know, I, I, I'll often tell people it's like, it's like salt. If you put too much on it, it's going to kill it. It, It's not going to be good. Backfires quickly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But if you sprinkle it in here and there, it could be like in a really emotional moment for a song or it can, it can really, um, yeah, it can just, it, it can make something, uh, sound, sound a little sweeter, or it can be, like I said earlier, an engine that drives it. It's almost like an undercurrent for something. And then starting off with you really doing the fiddle and then expanding beyond that, kind of walk me through how you got into producing and writing for other musicians. Yeah. So um, I was, well, I started off playing in Kentucky. I'm joined a rock band when I was in my like early twenties. What was it called? So we were called Oval Opus and um we were yeah we were midwest rock band and um i played violin uh for for oval opus but also did like guitar electric guitar and um we so i i was starting to like kind of think in terms of like i said parts building out parts and coming up with like an arranged thing that that i could do every night and um we started, we started making records and we started recording. And when I was going through that process, I just really enjoyed the studio and really enjoyed um, the creation aspect of it. I, I was asked to play violin for a girl in Germany and I flew over to Germany and played on, played on her album. And it was just going like, it was just, shitty it was like really hmm. bad i could say shitty right is that okay yeah of course why <laughs> why was it shitty what was what was bad about so the it was just there was zero organization it was just really kind of mm. chaotic there were no there was no arrangements to the song and no one really knew which way to go no one really or knew like what they wanted what they what they want no one knew anything that's frustrating and so I, find, I got really frustrated with the whole situation so i go back to the control room and i just go there's no producer i'm taking charge like let me just let me just do this and so i kind of took control and said you play this you do this this is the arrangement and i just like said here's what we're going to do because this is just going nowhere and we're wasting everybody's time and money we can't do that and it was like my first time like really sitting in the producer's chair and and doing that and i really enjoyed it i and and everybody else did too everybody else like 
having like a, a, a set destination saying, we're going to go here and we're going to do these things. And so I, I enjoyed that process. And so I ended up doing um, like, I think three or four albums with this artist. And oh, wow. so it did go yeah, well from there. <laughs> it did go well. And she had a number one in Germany and it was like, it was a really cool, fun, you know, journey with her to go from, it, it was funny. The one of the last times I, I uh, worked with her, um, her producer passed away and, uh, mm. but, but before then one of the, 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 um, her exec, sorry, is like, they call it producer over there. It's a, like an executive producer that they call it over there. It's like a, sure. Kind of the, there the, is a the, difference. The money man there. I was um, going to say the financier. Yeah. Yeah. The financier. So, so <laughs> one of the crazy things that he had, and thanks to him, he had a great vision for this. When I first started working with her, we were playing, I would go over and I'd back her up on guitar or whatever. Okay. And we were playing coffee shops, like literally sitting in the corner. No I one was that. listening to us. The last time I played with her, there was a line of people out of the uh, the theater we were playing, all holding up signs with her name on it. Her name was uh, Lisa Marie Fisher. And everybody was holding up these like signs for Lisa Marie Fisher. And like she was signing autographs. And I thought, wow, wow <laughs> this is crazy that in like whatever it was, five, six years, however long it was. That she that we went from coffee shops to this point to where um to to just see her development to see her growth and and to know that like I played a small part in that and 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 I helped kind of guide that and helped like help her write songs and I pulled in musicians and pulled in like bands to help her with those things and so it was a it I've I've enjoyed the producer's role. And I've seen, I've, I've seen it kind of come to fruition with some artists and it's been, it's been cool. That is really rewarding too, because that's one of those instances where, and we've talked about this before outside of this interview where you've said to me, it's having that preparation meets the opportunity. And that, that was an opportunity. And it seems like an obstacle at first, because it is, it's like, okay, you're here, you show up, you're in another country and there's no producer. So it is what the hell frustrating. But then you're like, wait a second, can I actually do something about this? And then you did. And it turned out amazing. So I feel like that was actually kind of like meant to happen to give you that next leg of your career. Absolutely. You know, the, it is, it, it is all about preparing. It's all about um, getting ready for an opportunity like that. And, and for me, I, I, I'm sounding more tough than I probably was, but I, it was, it, <laughs> It really was an opportunity to be had and and not just by me, by anybody that was sitting there that just wanted to had some like vision or direction. I was just getting frustrated and it could, it could have been lack of sleep for all I know. I just like <laughs> literally just flown across the country or across the world. So I, but I took the opportunity. I was definitely prepared for that. I had, I had played in bands and I, I knew how to write a chart out and I knew how to come up with like an, an organized form for this. And I also knew from like my orchestral days and string days that everybody has their own part and everybody's yeah. like, like to do that. But the key I think is, and, and this is like where like rock music really gets it right is you lean into whatever that person's strength is. You lean into whatever that player's strength is. Um, we had a bass player that was, um, he was good, but he had like, he was really smooth um, 
in the upper end of the base. He was like super okay. smooth. And so I carved out moments for him to shine. Like, 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 is there a place you could go into, into this fill that could go with the drummer into the next thing instead of just him noodling all the, all the time, let's find a moment for that where he can shine. Let's keep it a little bit more straight all the way through and then find that moment for, for those people. And, you know, it's all about like listening to, to what the others are, what your others in your band are saying. And, finding the, the right places for those people. Yeah. And then like you said, when you pull out each person's strength, that's where the producer hat really comes into play because then you put that together for a full song. And instead of just having a bunch of pieces that maybe, maybe don't work together, you have something that does really work. And then to your point, even like over the five, six years of her being unknown in a coffee shop and then signing autographs, like clearly you, your vision worked, you helped it get there, which is awesome. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think, you know, she, she was determined as well. You know, I, it's definitely not all me. She, she was determined and wanted to, to, um, to, to really play and to, and, and had the, the, the willingness to travel on the road and, and play these songs and write songs and, and go through all of the process and, and kind of the, the hard stuff that a lot of people don't want to do, you know, at, at first they don't want to play the coffee shops. They just want to, be on a huge stage well that right that would be nice you know <laughs> it's like <there's laughs> life doesn't work of, that way <laughs> yeah like i mean i'm sure you've had bands on here before that have that have like you probably discussed like how they've worked their way up one of my favorite ones was josh portman who's the bassist of yellow card his mm -hmm. story was amazing just the the bullet points of it were essentially that he was a guitar player he was never a bass player and he he was like a part of the band and not a part of the band like three different times before it became fully a thing. Cause at first, like he'd had a friend, I think who was the guitarist when they were huge, when it was like ocean Avenue who pulled him in, but was like, Hey, we need a bass player though. So he has this whole story about like getting a case of whatever it was, Red Bull, renting a bass, teaching himself in like 48 hours, all of their songs going and auditioning and then it didn't happen and then he got a last minute call their basis was kicked out so he did get on for some of the tour and like it just kept happening like this for years and to this day he is the bassist he's making the new record with them i just saw him tour with them but it was like he's a part of the band he's not he's in college he's not he's a part of the band he's not and he's like that's just it's heartbreaking and exciting but if you want it you just have to st you just have to keep going and hope that again like you've said and i've said too like that when you're ready that opportunity is there and you better seize it because it's going to come at the most random time that's exactly right and i i would would say that all of that and he had the because of his not playing bass at first i guarantee you the way he approaches bass is so different and so unique that it helped shape the sound that yellow card is and and it's like it really his approach and his background it might not be the traditional one, but it's like it definitely got came to something to where he can now approach it in such a new and fresh and unique way that's only him. And that's what makes them sound so cool and makes them have such a such a cool thing now. And and I I think that that's a lot of a lot of bands have that, you know, they, they start off in one thing and they have a vision for it. And then all all that stuff just goes away. And then there's like everything sort of falls into place and it, and you, you start learning 
who the right people are and what the, what the puzzle actually can look like. And in, in that, in that, that's where the sweet spot is. That's where like the magic starts to happen because now you don't sound like the Beatles. You don't sound like any of these other bands right. that you grew up listening to. You sound like you and there's like your voice. I totally agree with that. I think that's a differentiator with every genre of music is whatever is popular Everyone else will try to emulate, right? Because like, oh, pop punk is popular. You know, singer songwriter is popular. So they'll try to shift whatever their talents are to that, even if it's not authentic to them. And then that's where you see the divide happen. If it's not authentic, you could still maybe make it if you're talented enough and you've, you've got something. Maybe you've got a catchy hit out there. But those people are usually the one hit wonders that then fade away because it was never really true to them. So it's hard to maintain that even if you caught a little bit of success in it versus like what you're saying, like if something just happens organically and you go with it, it might take you a little bit longer to get where you want to go. But I think if you get there, you've got a much better chance of like sustaining it over a longer period of time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you've created something that, that will pass down, that will yeah. be remembered and, and, and so unique and so different. And not to talk about the Beatles too much, but that it is interesting. Please like, do. <laughs> the, 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 what's fascinating is like you, I've heard of like a Paul McCartney interview where he was talking about like, um, God, I wish I could remember what song, but the, he does this like loud, like, ah, like this kind of like yell. And he was like, I was doing Little Richard. That was me doing. And he goes, it sounded really? nothing like Little Richard. <laughs> he goes, but I thought that it was like such like a cool thing that he was doing that I wanted to do it myself. And what's funny is, is it doesn't sound like little Richard, but it, it, in that he created something new, like he like emulated something and it wasn't right, but it created this whole different thing that other people then come in and go, well, what I want to do that, you know, and right. it, it, how can I do that? <laughs> yeah, It's like a weird game of telephone that's happening. Or like, I think, God, I hope it's not wrong. I'm like, should I look this up before I say, it? okay, just. If anybody listening, this might not be accurate information, but also could be the twist and shout. Like, wasn't John Lennon sick when they recorded that? At least that's what I remember hearing once upon a time. And that's why his voice was so raspy is like he was sick and they had to keep putting off recording the song. And he was like, no, we just have to do it. And so it's like it's much raspier than Lennon's like everyday voice was. But it turned out to be like incredible because it was so different and it's like it's such a hit but he was just sick like he wasn't like trying anything <laughs> i don't i've never heard that story and that may be true but that is amazing if it's true that that, that is like, really great i i hope that's true now i need to look now <laughs> was john lennon sick <laughs> john lennon sick when he recorded it's twist and shout right isn't that the yeah. name twist and shout because i used sense. to listen to like yeah, so it says Twist and Shout, John Lennon sang lead. His voice was shredded from a hard day singing on top of having a heavy cold. He had been in the recording studio for 12 hours and was sick. Amazing. That does. That. That's awesome. The whole song sounds fantastic. Like he was just sick. But anyway, um, I love, I used to listen to, a, I think they called it Brunch with the Beatles was like a Sunday morning yeah. radio thing with my parents. Yep. And so they'd have stories like that on there. And that was one of the ones that always just kind of sat with me was, kind of cool and crazy um speaking of rock how did you have your transition into working in rock because i know you mentioned you worked with we the kings and lots of country yep. bands too yeah so i had um 
I had worked with this guy. Um, so I've worked with, with several different producers in Nashville, New York. Um, and kind of, it, it always starts off. It's funny. It almost always starts off with me doing some kind of like, they hire me to do a country thing almost always. And it's like, Hey, can you Is put it fiddle on this Nashville? thing? Yeah. It's because I'm from Nashville. And they go, Hey, <laughs> would you play fiddle on this thing or whatever? And then I say, I, well, my thing I used to do um, all <laughs> playing on albums all the time. So I have a studio at my place and I'm re always mm -hmm. recording at my, my home. And um, so, so what would happen was, is they'd say, can you play fiddle on this? And I was, I was always thinking, okay, I can play fiddle on this, but what would it sound like if I did a string section on the bridge? What would it sound like? So I would always do the fiddle. And then I'd do a string section on the bridge or the last course or whatever. And I'd say, Hey, I threw this in for you for free. If you like it, just check it out. You know, I kind of put, put it out there. And I, I wish I could say nine. It was like every single time I did that with a producer, they would say, you know, like screw the fiddle part. I, I want more of the string section. I want, I want that. Like, like, and I've got a couple more songs for you. And it was never country. It was always like a rock group that they were wanting me to, to do that on. I was working with a guy named Sam Hollander. Sam Hollander um, is, I mean, he's, he's worked with like everybody. Like he, he had a, a bunch of songs of panic at the disco and like, like wrote and produced like um, we, the Kings. And so he asked me to do um, a, we, the Kings album or a play on a song, a we, the Kings song. And my buddy, Josh uh, was an engineer on it. And so we kind of put together um, a string arrangement for, oh my God, what's in it? I can't remember the name of the song, but um, yeah. So we did this, uh, you and only you is what it was called. And um, we, we put together this, the string arrangement for them. And then Sam was like, Hey man, I got a bunch more people. Um, I think I did something for, for like baby Rexa and some, some other people. Oh, that's and, awesome. And that's so, really varied. <clears throat> Yeah, it's cool. And so it was like, I, I'd work with these, these producers here, here and there, and they would just say, can you throw strings or something? There's a guy in Nashville who's a producer. His name's Brandon Metcalf. And Brandon hired me, hired me to play fiddle and something. I did some strings on it. And I was like, check this out. And Brandon, <laughs> he, he literally said, oh, that was great. Hey, and I will never forget this. I've got 27 more songs I want you to do that to. And oh my I, my jaw dropped. I was like, are you kidding me? And I, he's like, I need him in like, it was like two weeks. And I wow. busted ass to get those done. And I had Did to- Did you even sleep? No, it was like very little sleep. And yeah, so no. <laughs> in that, um, I worked with uh, Secondhand, um, Secondhand Serenade. And then I also- Serenade. Worked... I love Secondhand Serenade. Ryan Cabrera? <laughs> yeah, great, great band. And then um, I'm trying to think of who else we worked with. Um, and then he would give me some like like a blues traveler song that he was producing, or a or a jewel song that he was producing. And so he would give me these different artists, and he'd say, "Hey, just do your thing to it." And I would literally, it was great because, you know, he would give me the song, and I would with rock stuff. It's so beautiful the lyrics are so well i think so the lyrics are so beautifully and emotionally exposed and like yeah like like especially with like a um like like a we the kings like they, like there's there's a lot of stuff that they're saying that's like kind of exposed 
like like they're really laying it out there. And so when I'm coming up with like string parts, I'm not just like laying down like a bed of notes. I'm really trying to listen to like what they're saying and what the song is saying. And I try to, okay, how can I make my voice coalesce with their voice? How can I, yeah. how can I be myself and, and come up with a part that really goes with what the lyric is trying to say, as opposed to, you know, like a fiddle part that's just like, okay, let me just, you know, play something that's like kind of fast and fun and cool, which is fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm all about it, that too. But, but there's like a lot of stuff that, that like where the, where the vocal is really, the lyric is really expressive. I find that those are the moments where like a string section really can work well with the song. And I try to find ways to melodically and, and harmonically like kind of move with the lyric. It's more like, especially with emo music in particular, it's like bringing a poem to life. Cause that's what the yeah. lyrics feel like, even as the listener, Absolutely. instead of just being like surface and choppy, you know, you've got your drums, you've got your rock and roll, but then like emo was its own little world because of that. And that's why things like the violin and all these other instruments, I think kind of found their place again too, because the words were different. The meanings, like you said, behind the song were different. So the instruments had to be too. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and it, I think it like, you know, anytime I got to be a part of those things, I would recognize like, especially like on rock albums and stuff, I would recognize that this needs to be special and this needs to not be, this isn't, this is these, these are like four or five guys that grew up playing in a, you know, in a garage together. Right. It's true. I can't overstep my bounds here. I, I need to be special, but I also need to really respect the sound of the band and respect what they're trying to, the, the sound that they've, you know, created and crafted o over years, you know, of time. So I always try to find a way to like gently, you know, kind of insert myself in those situations without, without being too, too uh, heavy handed. And, and, and these producers that, that, that get me to, to, to work with these rock bands that they always, I feel like I do a pretty good job of, of trying to not, you know, say, Hey, I've got the right thing. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to do, you know, right. I try to not do that and try to say, well, what do you guys want? What, what's the vision for this? And then it's like more of a conversation. You seem like you're more a collaborator, which is hard to find in the world of, well, art in general, but especially music. Cause it does tend to be ego driven from every single aspect. That's just like you said, coming in being like, well, I know what's going to work for your song. It's like, buddy, we don't even know you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's exactly right. And I mean, that's, a, it's a tough thing because like anytime you're in your, uh, everything with music is, is a conversation. Everything is trying to, to figure out like what the song is supposed to say, what what's my role in that song because ultimately the song wins the song is what what is the the important thing there that's and, the end and, goal yeah yeah absolutely and and the vocalist or whoever's bringing this across the band that's bringing this across they're right there that, that there's the song there's the band and they're they're what they're what they're trying to do and trying to bring is ultimately the most important thing and whether i'm producing or string arranging or whatever it is I have to listen to what their goal is and I have to listen to what they're trying to get across 
Because if I don't, it then it just sounds odd, and their fan base is going to be like, "What the hell is this? This doesn't. What is this? Like yeah, this sounds like some garbage that that they come up with. So you just try to find ways to coalesce and to to make it a conversation and to and to make it feel like like what what the band is. Do you have a favorite type of music you like to do in that sense? And by type, I don't mean genre, but I mean more like like how now you're your lead composer, right, on Frog and Toad. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you're lead composer for a TV show. So you've done that. Mm -hmm. You've worked with bands on albums. And I'm sure there's pros and cons to everything. But is there something that really kind of draws you that really has your heart? I, this is going to sound so cheesy. And I, I don't mean it to. I truly just love collaborating with anyone. Anyone that has a good story is my favorite. And it's like I love almost... That. It it truly is, and I mean, I was like produce uh, producing a uh, these two ladies. Um, uh, I think it was like a few days ago. I was producing these two ladies, and I normally do not work with the kind of music they were doing, like a um, like kind of a folky kind of thing. And I I haven't really done like a duo folk group or anything like that. But I was like really trying to listen to what they were saying, and if I can like just you know, <laughs> I'm a dude. It's, I talk too much. It's like, that's like my, I just try to try to talk, to talk less, give my, <laughs> be like, hear what these ladies have to say and let them have a voice. And I was like really listening to what their story. And before I even started working with them, tell me about where you're from. Tell me about like your, what's your vibe? What's your story? Do you, do you, um, what, what do you do when you're, when you're at home? What are you doing? And so it's like, before I can even start music wise, I want to know who they are. I want to know what their story is because as soon as I insert myself in that situation, it, it's going to come across so not real and not authentic. I want to hear what their story is and what the authentic thing is and that's like truly that is my favorite thing is to work with people that have a story and there's something interesting there that's been my favorite thing too especially with music or with talking to people like you is my i i love storytelling that's really at the heart of everything i love and then that might be books or music or movies or tv but music tends to be what gravitates me the most but underneath all of that is exactly what you said someone with a story because you can just tell you can't fake it. Like maybe you can, going back to what I said earlier, like maybe you can have a hit or have some success for a little bit here and there, but someone who is really genuinely authentic, like that comes through in their aesthetic, that comes through in their interviews, in their music, in everything. And I think that's something really special. And those people like you, like stories need to be shared because it does give hope and inspiration to other people in this world and in this environment that like, Hey, you can be yourself and actually do what you want to do because I don't feel like that message is spread nearly enough. I 1000% agree. And, and you know, I can talk to you about music because your authenticity for the love of music comes through so clear. And it's like, it's such a story to talk to. It's, it's like, now we can have a conversation <laughs> because you're not just like some, I'm telling you, you would be surprised. There are so many people in the music industry um, that they're literally here because they're like, I mean, music's cool, but I, like, I'm really good at, at, you know, being good at economics or I'm good at this. And I knew how to make numbers crunch. And I thought, oh, this is kind of a fun in industry. 
and then you start talking to him about music and there's like there's nothing they're like nothing dead there. inside and, yeah. and you're, like, you're like well i mean i guess i see the the role for that you know i can understand it you know yeah whatever but there there are so many people that that just don't have uh that that are in the music industry and it, it's it, it they there's so many failures associated with that when, yeah. when but when you talk to someone that has like a true love for music there's this radio dj that i'm thinking of um out in Casey LA. Kasem? no <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> so there's this there's this lady and she's out in los angeles and anytime i see her i talk i can bring up and she's a country uh a radio person it doesn't matter country's like it's one percent of like what she loves she right. loves music and anytime i talk to her it it is such a it's like talking to you it's such a clear she loves music and i don't and and because of that like our conversations are so interesting and so unique because that love and and that story really comes through yeah that's what makes it special. I was going to ask it, so if she's country, because the only ones I'm thinking of are K-Rock. I know Megan Holiday. She's one of the bigger female hosts for the rock station. And then Allison Hagendorf, but she just has like her own, her own yeah, like this, rock specifically. This lady goes, her name's Heather Froglier. That's what she goes by. It's K-Frog. I love that. Is that her real last name? I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> well, she was. It's so cool. Yeah. I don't think so, but but Heather is so sweet and so amazing. I'm gonna tell her I've I talked about her on here, but um, she she just she <laughs> loves music, and anytime I talk to her, and again, it's it's rare, like it's rarely country. Like she's she she loves music in general. Like you ask her, I've seen her like go to Pink concerts and like like talk to her about that, and like we we'll talk about yeah. whatever. <laughs> And and she just loves music, and it always got. And she's the, I think she's the, maybe the program director there now or something. But she is like, um, everything she can spot a music lover, and she can spot them like a mile away. And she always has this cool ability to to push that, you know, to push the people that are that are really have like a like a heart for it, which is like so inspiring to see. I'm always you know, happy that those people are out there. It's my favorite kind of people. <laughs> Mine too. Mine too. Like I was gonna say like this, like this conversation right here is my favorite type of conversation. Cause we know that we could talk about all aspects of music until we're blue in the face and still be like, we haven't gotten started yet. What advice would you give to someone? You do so much in the music industry. I guess anybody just looking to break in in general, it can be kind of whatever comes to mind advice for somebody. Um, I think, the key is to get to know as many people as possible. Um, you would be surprised how many people are like, would love to go to coffee with you and would love to sit down with you and talk to you. There, there are so many people that have been like, have gotten really lucky or they, they've, they've been able to, to like really rise up and they, they want to like, if you come to them and you're like, Hey, I just want to meet you. I want to, like hear what you're doing. I'm I'm younger. I'm newer. I'm trying to get into this. They're going to be there and they're going to hear that. I, I can tell you like there were so many people that, that 
did that for me and like really took me under their wing and and like said here's here's what you do you know and i'm i'm like fumbling all over the place i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> and there there were people there to say okay i see what you're trying to here do this and this this will make that smoother for you so like listen to others but also get to know who you are get to know what your story is and what what makes you you and what makes you unique and whatever it is and if you have something that's unique and you're good at it and you're prepared and you're meeting these people it's the preparation plus opportunity will equal success if you're prepared you know who you are and you have the opportunity and you're meeting all these people they're going to give you opportunities and there that will lead to success because ultimately if you're you and you know who you are and you're unique and you have a voice that will be heard. And that is a story that, that, that will be told. It's so true. I like, I, I know we've kind of mentioned this before too, but I've done the same thing where I'll just reach out to people cold, mostly on Instagram. Cause that's where everyone is now. And God, what a gift. I, I recognize that like my generation and younger are so lucky to have that because even just a 10 year gap. And at my age, you couldn't just DM a celebrity. I mean, who knows right. if they'll see it, but sometimes they do. Like, that's how I got the interview with people from Yellow Card and stuff was I just sent a message on Instagram. How would I have done that back in the day? Maybe mailed a letter to an agency and probably never heard back. So it's just the opportunity is there like never before. And I think people are still a little too scared to seize it. Like, who cares if they don't see your message? Who cares if they do and don't reply? It's a numbers game. Someone exactly. else will. The right person will, you know? And, and, and if you're, you know, obviously be cool about it, you know, and just be like, right. Hey, I'm a, I'm a fan. Don't, don't say, Hey, don't your music a sucks. you want to meet up, you know, but, yeah. but if you, if you say, you know, like, Hey, I love this. I'm, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to be this thing. I would love to meet you. You would be surprised at the people that write you back. There was a, um, the guy that wrote the Seinfeld theme song. Like I've reached out to him before and he's really? like, really? I love Seinfeld. <laughs> I do too. And like that guy is like, he like listened to my music and he was this years ago, but he like really was kind and like said, Hey, this is cool. Awesome. I would check out that you should do this, blah, blah, blah. And I've reached out to certain people over the years and they've, they've reached out back that have been like, mm -hmm. for me, like working in film and TV, like I I'm like, who knows if they'll write me back, but who cares? Like, just, exactly. just try it, try it out. See, see if it does. And, and, I think, again, I think if you have a story to tell and you, you're, you're unique and you're interesting, which I'm sure your listeners are, they <laughs> will, they, they're, it's, it's going to, to work. It will work. It will work. It, it will come to you by just being yourself. And I agree. It almost even sounds cheesy saying that, but at this stage of my life, I have found that to be, it's just true. It's true. Yeah. Someone else's content once said, I think her name is Cody Sanchez. I think she's an entrepreneur and she had something that just popped up on my feed one day. I wasn't too familiar with her, but something about, especially now, like your content is your way of networking because if someone stumbles across you or if you message them either way, it could be both. doesn't really matter. It doesn't really make a difference now if they don't know you in person, because they can just one click to your profile and there is the story. Who are you? Yeah. What are you posting? What are you passionate yep. about? What do you share? And if there is nothing there, that also tell, is an answer for them. But like my whole page is 98% music stuff and like 2% personal life stuff. But that's great because anyone I want to connect with, they take two seconds looking at my page and they're like, oh, 
okay, she really loves music. Like that's yep. clear. It's right there. I don't have to explain it. And if I did, then I think that would take away from it. So it's kind of like you're saying, you reach out to these people and so many times you'd be surprised that they say yes. So I agree with that advice. Just reach out, take a shot. You never know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. I always love talking with you, Mark. Yeah, I like talking <laughs> with you too. Anytime. I'm going to link your stuff too for anybody who wants to look up more about what Mark does and his background, his biography, everything he's worked on, and also check out Frog and Toad season one. It's on Apple TV, right? People can Apple stream. Apple TV season Yay. one. Yay.